Thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. Well, good morning, and thanks for coming to Open Life on this wonderful, warm, sunny morning. What is it that makes the, scoop, the sky bluer and the mountain whiter? I have no idea on days like today, but it's just gorgeous driving in here. So uh, glad you chose to to join with us because we're jumping into some pretty fun uh, text here today. It's interesting. Like we'll 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 tear it apart a little bit, but uh, the the talk is is called Living Water. Or maybe if you need an alternative talk, and it's cheating if you're using the app, you already seen the alternative talk because all the notes are there. But power of presence, power of presence. And if you're more of a digital person than a physical piece of paper person, we do have an app. Yeah, you could just look up Open Life Church and download that and, and uh, follow along with this week's notes or whatever you want to do there. So let's read from our passage today, Luke 17, 20 through 37. It's on the handout, fill in the blank thing in your worship guide, also on the screen. But it says this, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. The Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. Like, that's a big piece of lightning. You know how I know? Because I saw this YouTube clip this week. And Jaden, did you grab that YouTube clip? Check this. This happened this last week. A patrol car dash cam. He's driving down the road. Bam! It just hits the concrete barrier on the side in Texas. Can you believe that? Like, it'd be like, yeah, AAA, um, uh, just, yeah, I was calling. Um, I know you, get, you unlock cars, right? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, do, you, um, do you make, like, Depends deliveries? Because I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's, uh, lightning struck right next to me, and I just, well, it depends. I really need, uh, I need some help here. Uh, yeah, it's just like, that would scare the stuff out of you, right? It's just like, oh! And that's, you know, I was one day in the backyard of, of our house, and uh, there was all this wind picking up and everything. And I, I went back there to, like, put the umbrella down on our table because we had already had a like, tornado go through our backyard before. And so I was like, no, I don't want another glass table to shatter all over the backyard. So I was going, putting it down, trying to, like, do my part right. And all of a sudden, like, boom, you just see this flash and this boom at the same time. 
I guess a few houses over, the lightning hit the gutter, right? And, but to me, I felt the shock wave from it. It took all of like our screens on our house and blew them into the house that were, that had windows open. It was a pretty powerful shock wave to blow a screen from a window in. And so I was like, I think I was almost hit by lightning, right? So I've been in a moment like that guy. And I can only imagine that Jesus' return is going to be even grander than that. Like, as much as like a, a strike of lightning, like bright light that the whole world can see. This is pretty intense stuff. So just to kind of, it's easy to just read through it and go, yeah, lightning, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to really get this in your mind. This is what we're talking about. So verse 25 continues. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed it all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day of Lot left, or the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on their housetop and has possessions inside should go down and get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord? They asked. Like, where? And he replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Jesus, have you been next to that funny weed again? What are you talking about? Because that makes no sense what you just said, doesn't it? You ever just read it and go, where did the vultures come from, Jesus? This is confusing. What just happened? And part of that's Luke, right? The author of this book is Luke. He's gathering stories from people. He's putting them in this book to help us understand for certain that Jesus is the Son of God. And so he's taking these pieces and connecting them in the context of a story. And you look at this and you go, they asked where, and you talk about dead bodies and vultures? I'm so lost. That's why we're here today, right? And we're unpacking this so that you can grab a hold of what is happening. I have three thoughts for us from the text today. The first is, Jesus began the coming of the kingdom. Jesus began the coming of the kingdom. The beginning of the kingdom and this reign of God that the Pharisees were asking about began the day Jesus was born. This was God's solution to man's sin, to send His one and only Son to live a perfect life all the way to the cross taking our sins, our wrong upon himself so that he can totally forgive us of all of our sins and that we can put our faith on Jesus as the Son of God and be forever, forever eternally connected, have eternal life as our promise. So I look at this and I go, the kingdom of God, right? This, the, the reality of a kingdom of God is a reign, 
It's a reign of a king, if you would. And they thought this was going to be an earthly reign. They were not aware that this reign that Jesus was speaking of was spiritual and that all the prophets in the Old Testament, that these guys grew up studying, they were talking about a reign of a king. And they thought, they were in their mind convinced that Jesus was going to come and He was going to physically remain as the king of this people, physical reigning king. They didn't realize that it was going to be the spirit thing that was going to be around that was going to be present forever. And Jesus brought this news and had been preaching this already. Jesus brought the reign of God. Listen to this. Luke 8, 1, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with Him. So, Jesus Himself was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God the good news. I just want to remind us, in case we forget, it's good news. Do you ever just realize it's easy to kind of go in and go, okay, wait, you're talking about like, this is going to be like in the day of Noah, and a bunch of people died, and the day of Lot, and a bunch of people died, and, and then this is a bunch of people died, and you focus on the, this is going to be bad, and so it's easy to take this passage and create a mini-movie series called Left Behind from it, and go, you know, this is going to be awesome. Well, okay, well, this wasn't quite cool enough. What if we cast Nicolas Cage, you know? And so it's like, you get this movie coming out, and you're like, let's scare, literally, the hell out of people, so that they'll make a decision to follow Jesus, and like, once left behind and the other isn't. And, and, you know, so you could focus on, I'm going to preach some bad news here. If you don't choose Jesus, you're the lady left at the grinding wheel, you know, whatever that is, right? You're like, so they're like making bread or something? What are they doing? When, or you wake up and it's like, where'd my husband go? It'd just be weird. Well, that's, Jesus is challenging us, and He Himself demonstrated that we should preach the good news, right? And we should see a moment like this and go, okay, so there's good in here, right? And we should unpack that. That's our role is to preach good news. So Luke 16, 16 says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. So, you see, Jesus shows up on the scene and goes, okay, bad news, done. Good news, right? So, this is what we're seeing is Jesus brought the kingdom of God. I, I, I often have to point this out because it's no advantage of us to just preach hellfire and brimstone without the good news. We have to find the good news and realize we have a king that is reigning and will reign with us forever because He rose again from the dead three days after He went to the cross. And we have this eternal king who will never expire like an earthly king. Little did they comprehend at this time. We have the advantage of perspective, right? Like we can read through the Bible and get, oh, I know the ending. These guys did not know the ending until they experienced it personally. And now Luke, years and years later, tens of years later, I like to show you, 
teased Jaden about tens of years. Tens of years later, he's talking about this. I just get dozens of years later, he's talking about this. And it's pretty amazing that he's encouraging them, hey, he still reigns. We'll unpack this more in a second. So, the disciples were sure they were going to have this royalty. At the time this is being, this is happening, and that Luke is recording, they were sure they were going to have an earthly reign, but hadn't quite caught that he was going to reign spiritually. Number two, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And this is the point I'm going to camp on today. The kingdom of God is in your midst. What did Jesus send His disciples to preach? It was the same good news of the kingdom of God, right? Luke 9, 2, He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So we're hearing the same phraseology, right? The kingdom of God. Luke 10, 8 through 11, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this. So Jesus is not with these guys, right? Jesus is not with these guys. He sent them out. They're coming back and telling him stories. Get the last phraseology. He says, yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Has come near. So Jesus didn't go with the disciples physically. He sent the disciples out, and they were empowered. They were given all authority that Jesus had, and they were given the same Spirit. They were given that spiritual kingdom of God to make known to people this good news. The kingdom of God is near. Jesus has come. There's a new reign. There's a new rule. It's called grace and love and hope and peace, and we sang about it, and we get to still sing about it. This is great news, and it also means something, and these disciples were figuring this out. It means there's power in our presence. Even if rejected, be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. And I think sometimes we're like, well, if I am not absolutely positive that I'm going to get a favorable response, I'm probably not going to mention Jesus. But we're supposed to, even if rejected, the kingdom of God has come near. They've experienced something good, and life has come to them. And, and so there was this experience that happened a few years ago. I was studying through some of the Old Testament stuff, and I, I got to Ezekiel 47. And I was reading through this vision that he experienced, and I was going, it just like came alive in my mind. And, and I remembered it when I was reading these passages talking about the kingdom of God and knowing how the disciples went out and preached the kingdom of God. And even when Jesus was not near and the disciples went near, the kingdom of God was near. And I was going, the kingdom of God was going with the disciples, right? It's a spiritual thing, not this physical thing. It can't be seen as Jesus said. So I was going, oh, okay, I'm getting this. This goes back to what Ezekiel 47 was, was showing us. This is the vision that's coming to reality. And listen to this weird moment, uh, that, that this, this prophetic vision that is given. In Ezekiel 47, the man brought me, so like this angel of the Lord is bringing Ezekiel, it says, the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. 
I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. Now, the reason he's giving all these details, it means a lot to the people who were reading it in the time of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. You know, they knew the temple and its parts and the doors and the gates and everything that they signified. Verse 3, as the, men went eastward, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was waist deep. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water has risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? A lot of people stop there and go, let's get in the river of God. Just chill where our feet can't touch no more. Let's float, right? It continues, though, so let's check this out. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw. Pause for a moment. Reflect on the last verse. He was asked by the angel basically showing him this vision. Do you see when he was in the depth of the river? And he didn't answer, I see. He brings him back to the bank of the river And when I arrived, I saw, okay, let's continue, a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live there where the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to wherever that is. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swarm, the, the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, their leaves for healing. Now let me read one more passage, and this is in the Gospel of John. John seven thirty eight. Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Let me put these two passages together. Ezekiel has this vision, this incredible vision about what is possible when living waters can flow from an altar, from an encounter with God, from an experience with God. We go out and we literally bring fresh life, fresh fruit in the world around us. 
in this living water in Ezekiel that's being prophesied about, Jesus says, this living water is in you when you choose to follow me. Wherever you go, living water goes with you. And that same fruit that's expressed here in Ezekiel, that same reality becomes a reality in your influence, in your realm of influence. Whatever that be, a school, if that be a workplace, if that be a neighborhood, if that be someplace you serve, if it be in your house, you will be fruitful, positive fruit, life, vibrance. All of what life has to give and offer comes when you are there. You are the key in this scenario as a follower of Jesus. When you make that choice, when you cross that line of faith, all of a sudden it's like fresh water can flow through you. It's an interesting visual, right? And I look at this, and I sure hope you can make Open Life 101 if you've never been before. It's today at 3 at our house. We have air conditioning. I'll just say that. But uh, so it's like, you know, just it, I, I'm excited because we'll walk through all of the cultures and our mission and the realities of, of open life and why we do what we do. But our reality of being out and present and active in our community, there's a reason because where we go, life shows up. And it doesn't necessarily have to be through words right? You are the vessel bringing the kingdom of God. It flows through you. You're the vessel. And so, you know, this exemplifies the, the church and, and the church that is all of us going out and being active, right? Our vision is people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, realizing we're all playing a role because wherever you go, if we hire out the role of sharing the love of God, one person brings living water. When we empower you to share the love of God, an entire community can be transformed. Everywhere you go, wherever you commute, you bring living water. You bring this kingdom of God that Jesus was being asked about. You're the vessel and that's why we get a chance to come and sharpen this vessel and purify this vessel. So, so this God can flow through us and impact others that we don't become the obstruction in the story, right? And I think that's the challenge that we always wrestle with. And, and I pray this prayer often. I'm like, God, help me just be a pure vessel so you can flow through me without obstruction. I, help me get out of the way because I don't want to be an obstacle of what you want to do and in, in through my life and the life of, of somebody else. This water flows there. And movements of the faith get stuck, often desiring deeper water. They want to swim out in the middle of the river, and they get stuck in deeper water and experiences that come from an encounter with Jesus, and they miss the challenge of this vision. The challenge is, yeah, come Sunday, let's encounter Jesus, let's be inspired, let's dive in, let's give everything to Jesus, let's celebrate what He's done in our life, but then let's come back to the bank, because when we get to the bank, that's when we see all that God can accomplish back in our normal world on the bank. It's kind of an interesting vision that Ezekiel had and challenges us to get out of the river not just desire to live in the river, but get back out onto the bank where the fruit, where the healing is going 
to happen. And what we need to do is find and follow Jesus to get there. A lot of vision stuff there, and you might want to just go back and read this and let it sink in. The final thought here is uh, point three, live expectant of Jesus. So live expectant of Jesus. Jesus is talking about the day, and I think we live in, in a perfect example of the day. Um, people were literally camping on their rooftops, expecting, in the day Luke was writing this, Jesus to come. They thought in their lifetime, not only did Jesus ascend into heaven, they thought Jesus was going to return for them in their lifetime. So they were waiting and they were not doing as Jesus challenged. They were not going and sharing the gospel. They were not going and bringing the kingdom of God into every town and village and people group. They were just sitting and waiting for Jesus to return. And here we are 2,000 years later, right? And maybe you're aware of this. Maybe you've done faith studies, but there are many faiths that would say, that, you know, they, they would predict for a season for their church, this is it. Jesus is coming. The signs are all out there. Um, we know the time and the hour, which, by the way, Jesus told us in Acts 1, we'll never know the time or the hour. But there's some people who think they've figured it out. They've done the math. They've lined the sun up with the right planet. And it kind of comes to this moment, and they're like, here comes Jesus. And Jesus doesn't come, and they're like, um, yes, he here he is. He, he did come. You just didn't see it. And uh, it's all good. But we know from this text right here, here's the good news. We're not going to miss it. Jesus is saying, right, hey, I am going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to go to heaven. And I am going to come back. And I'm going to come back in the twinkling of an eye like a flash of lightning. I'm going to come back. But I'm going to come back in a way that you can all see me. I'm going to come back in a way that it's not a mystery like, he did? He came back? What? Why am I here and the other person's not? You'll know why you're there and the other person isn't. It's because if you did or did not choose to follow Jesus. You'll know that. It's going to be no mystery. So this kind of comes to the whole vulture quote. What's the whole vulture thing? I love this because I grew up on a farm, Rochester, Washington, 365-acre farm. Some of you have heard me tell this story. I'm sure. But behind our farm, there was this gravel road, parish road, where people would drive up, and there's a lot of farmers, so they would like butcher their cattle, and they would have spare parts that they didn't want to dispose of correctly. So they would drive them up about half mile up into the forest and dump them. And even a half mile away, you could smell it. It was nasty. Like on a day like, in weather like this, it's just you can be from here to the back of this room, and you can hear the maggots crawling on it. I know that's sick and disgusting, but I just had to share. It's just get you there, right? But here's how you would know it's there. You know how you know it's there? All of a sudden, you look up into the sky, and everywhere, there's vultures circling the dead. You could tell an animal has died, or you could tell something's been dumped there, because all of a sudden, you see vultures coming from everywhere, circling. Luke wasn't just having an odd day. He didn't have some weird smoke he maybe inhaled and held on to too long. 
Uh, you know, he did not inhale is what I've read. I'm just kidding, just joking. Uh, I did not inhale that. Anyway, I don't do a, a good impersonation of, of that past person. Okay, moving on. Uh, so here you have uh, these vulture quote, this vulture quote that just seems like it's out of nowhere, but it actually means something to all these farmers and these people because they know when their cow has died or when they have an issue that maybe one of their sheep has has been lost and not found because they'll see the vultures in the sky. And he's saying, hey, when Jesus comes back, you're going to see it. You're not going to miss it. And he's going to come back. And this is what it's going to be like, but I'm not going to tell you when. So Luke is, is encouraging them with these words from Jesus. He's saying, here's the good part, man. He's going to come back. But there's still a mystery to people, and you could tell by Luke 18, 31 through, through 34 says this, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, we are going to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock Him, insult Him, and spit on Him. They will flog Him, kill Him. And on the third day, he'll rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, in verse 25 of Luke 17, he said, First, he must suffer many things and be rejected by the generations. See, the reality here is this. Jesus is sowing thoughts of saying, hey, this is not a physical reign, guys. This is a spiritual reign that I am talking about. Just so you know, it's going to be okay. And he's starting to prep them, but yet even preparing them for his second coming at the same time. There's a lot in this text today. But the good news is that we can have incredible hope because still 2,000 years later, we're helping people understand what Jesus has done for them and what He's going to do. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus challenged His disciples with their task on this planet, their mission, their purpose. He said to them, He's risen from the dead, and He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you. Surely I'm with you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He's with you always to the very end of the age. Although not in a physical reign, He's not here as a king, earthly king, but He's reigning over this kingdom. And what allowed that to happen was Jesus coming to us. God's sending His Son to initiate relationship with us. So, that means when I hear things like, well, I can't take my Bible out at school, or, you know, I can't bring my Bible to school, or maybe I'll get persecuted or whatever. You know what? It's in you. The living water, the presence of God is, is in you. you. You go to school, Jesus is there if you're a follower of Jesus. You can't take Jesus out, uh, uh, you know, at the workplace and talk to people. He's in you. You show up to work, boom, 
Your work is blessed because you're there. What would that organization look like if you weren't there? You're going, well, I've been wondering that lately. I actually have letter written. Anyway, so I don't know. Uh, you know, you, you can't take Christ out of Christmas. You know why? Because we're at Christmas, and Christ is in us. It's just, it's really interesting the things, you, the things you hear. We have reason to celebrate. This water flows from us. It, you could just keep going with this. You know, you can't separate out faith from school because you show up to school. You can serve at school. I look at open life, and I look of all the opportunities we have to bless our schools and partner with organizations to bless our schools. And, and people will say, and I've had this said to me in circles of the faith, and it shocks me, but they'll say, Dad, why are you wasting your resources giving to a school? What's the fruit of that? How can you just give to a secular public school so many resources? when, you know, there's people who need support that, that follow Jesus and you need to just give it to like the Christian schools. And I was like, you know, they're not even letting you share Jesus. I'm like, should I have to speak it? It should be known through me. Jesus is known through our love, through our service, not through words. Yeah, we could use those if we need to, but just as promised, they prosper because we show up there. They're blessed because we show up there. You must go out from here realizing wherever you go, you represent Jesus as a follower of Jesus. And you need to choose Jesus today. You need to choose Him because there's something different about why you serve and how you serve and the life you bring to others. There's just something more fulfilling about going through life, realizing, man, right now, just being here, I'm making a difference. It's not something to be prideful about. It's something to be humbled about and go, thank you, God, that I get to be used today. should humble us. should make us feel very small, not very large. You bring the blessing, therefore you are a blessing. And we're blessed by blessing. Anyway, I hope you leave feeling good about your life today and your life's potential today and the fact that Jesus chooses us. He chooses you to go and be that representation of living water, the kingdom of God in the world we live in. It can't be seen, but it certainly is felt because we faithfully surrender to Him and serve. So Jesus shares these insights for us to grasp. He will come for us, but until then, we are to go and to make Him known. Some action steps on the back of your connection card. Hopefully, you've filled out the front side and but on the back, there's always opportunities to respond. And the bottom three on the left side will give you maybe a few challenges that go right along with the talk. Or it's the action button if you're on the, on the app. You know, we need to purify this vessel so the living water can flow through us without obstruction. Maybe that's your prayer today. God, purify me so you can flow through me. Or maybe it's, God, help me live with expectancy of your return because honestly, I'm just not very aware that you're coming back and I need to have my eyes open. I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss the, the vultures if it's going to be obvious or the lightning flash that goes from edge to edge. However you come back, I want to be the one coming with you, not left behind, right? So that, that's a good prayer. Um, and the way you guarantee that is to choose to follow Jesus, obviously. Now you don't have to fear it. But, and, and maybe you just need the courage today to share Jesus with others. Simply realizing even if they don't embrace the message of Jesus, 
The kingdom has come near because I've been faithful to share. So I want to pray those things over you today. God, I thank you that we can open up your word and be challenged by it, no matter how crazy it sounds on the surface, because honestly, like the passage about vultures is weird. And it's easy to sit there and go, uh, don't get it. I call a timeout. Help me out here. And that's why you allow us to walk through a passage like this and, and open it up and look at the pieces and say, there is application for my life here, and I'm going to find it. There's good news here for me to bring and to receive. And, and I just pray that everybody here would realize you have a destiny on them. You have a plan for them. And the first and foremost is that they would choose to, to follow you. They would put their faith and hope in Jesus and, and that they would have eternal life in you because of the price you paid on the cross. If they've never just really confessed that with their mouth, I pray you'd give them the courage to simply say, Jesus, I want to know more about you. I put my faith in you. I want to follow you. I choose you as Lord today. Open my eyes that I could see. Open my heart that I could know more about you. And God, as they embrace that and as they begin to walk through this week, may they see the opportunities for you flowing through them to impact the lives of those around them. They are the living water. They have it flowing through them. They are the representation of the kingdom of God. Give us the courage to share, the awareness to be present and expectant of you doing incredible things through our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at openlife.church. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.